And I remember leaving that store and thinking, what did I do? Oh my gosh, was this shirt worth it? And that was a very memorable moment for me because I never walked back into that store and bought another Abercrombie & Fitch shirt because I remember thinking it's so thin, it's not worth it. And having that experience and being able to work through those thoughts in my mind was powerful for me. Hey, this is Allison and welcome to Inspire Budget where we talk all things budgeting, debt, and saving money. Today we're covering a topic that parents everywhere fully understand and that is how to help our kids develop healthy saving and spending habits. Now, I received this question from an Inner Circle member, and I addressed it in a live Q&A that I did, and it's all about really allowing our kids to experience that tug, the tug of maybe wanting to overspend and maybe not spend their money, quote unquote, correctly or the way we would want them to spend their money and how to create this balance where we give our kids the opportunity to experience that very natural feeling of money and even comparing what other people are buying. So we're going to dive into that question and I hope you enjoy it. I love this question because it goes back to helping our kids understand and develop like a healthy relationship with money. Maria says, my 15 year old daughter is starting her very first job this summer. She wants to use the money for back to school clothes, but I want her to start practicing healthy saving and spending habits. What advice Would you give a 15-year-old girl who just wants the cute $90 jeans? Okay, I have a story. This one one comes with a story. So when I was growing up, maybe like sixth or seventh grade, we did back-to-school shopping, and it was like you couldn't order anything online, obviously. You guys know. We would go to the mall. And I remember my mom gave me a budget. I don't remember what the budget was. Maybe it was like a hundred bucks. I don't remember. So my mom would say, okay, you need to look through what you have and you need to buy your back to school clothes. And like, that's on you. You take your hundred dollars in cash. We go to the mall. She was there to help kind of like guide our decision thinking. And I remember my brother, (laughs) he was fell into the like Abercrombie and Fitch. Oh, you have to be cool. He was older than me. Oh, you have to be cool and you have to wear Abercrombie and Fitch. And I remember going into the Abercrombie and Fitch store. Everything was so expensive, so expensive. And I remember him being like, you're not going to buy an Abercrombie and Fitch shirt. Like what? Like you're really going to walk around school without an Abercrombie and Fitch shirt. And I remember being in the store and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, but I only have this amount of money. But one of these shirts costs like 40 bucks. So then I only have $60 left to spend. So if I do that, I'm gonna have to go to like Ross or Marshalls to buy my jeans. And I remember having this internal battle in the store, right? This pungent smell of Abercrombie and Fitch. If you know, you know. This pungent, nasty cologne smell. I'm standing there in front of my brother. I'm gonna be going into a new school, like seventh grade, starting a new school, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, do I wanna be the only person not wearing Abercrombie and Fitch? And I remember I bought a $40 long sleeve Abercrombie and Fitch shirt, which was stupid, because I live in Houston, Texas, so it shouldn't have been long sleeve. I probably bought it because it was cheaper. And I remember leaving that store and thinking, what did I do? Oh my gosh, was this shirt worth it? And that was a very memorable moment for me because I never walked back into that store and bought another Abercrombie and Fitch shirt because I remember thinking it's so thin, it's not 
worth it. And having that experience and being able to work through those thoughts in my mind was powerful for me. For me, I think that it's sometimes good when we have our kids in our home to be able to allow them to have those types of experiences. Let your daughter work for her money. Say, okay, this is what you have to spend on new school clothes and let her go in and make the decision and see if she has the money in cash or on her debit card, how much can she actually get if she spends the $90 on jeans? right? And there's going to be that internal battle for her. And that's good. That internal battle is amazing. That's what we want our children to experience. That's what we should be experiencing when we're spending money in a healthy way. That internal battle is you trying to protect yourself and your future self by making a good decision with your money. So I would say, have those conversations with your child. I would say, okay, let's look at your options and going through the options. And I know it is so much different coming from a parent than someone else when we're talking to our kids. So maybe you have a cool sister, like maybe there is a cool aunt or someone else or a cool friend that is an adult that might be able to foster these conversations as well as you having these conversations. So I'm not saying you don't, as the parent have those conversations I'm saying in addition maybe you have those things because there is something that comes into play of being able to see that money grow setting a savings goals encouraging your children to set savings goals creating a budget or a plan for that money it's kind of hard to say like okay you need to create a budget and they're like well what bills do they have well a budget is just a plan for your spending so a plan for how much you want to spend on your clothing versus your shoes versus your new backpack like you can't have it all what are you going to spend on and then also finding ways to experience that delayed gratification i think that's what gets so many of us in trouble is that there is no delayed gratification anymore. Credit cards didn't become a thing until what, like the 1950s? And before that, everyone dealt with delayed gratification. It was normal to wait up and save for something, but then credit cards became popular. We no longer know how to delay that gratification. We just want it now. We work hard, we justify it, we say we deserve it, and then we get it. We put it in through debt, right? We, we sign up for debt and we say, I'll deal with this later. And we want our children to experience and start building that delayed gratification muscle. And this is a wonderful way to do it, a wonderful way to do it. I do this with my kids. I pay for Greenlight. I did do a sponsorship with them once, but I, I use them and it's like a debit card. And I know Chase has a version of it, but they have an app on their iPad. And and I pay them money for doing chores. And if I get to set the certain percentage, like 70% goes into spending, 20% goes into saving, and 10% goes into giving. It allows them to have this, to practice this delayed gratification because when they ask me for something, if it's not their birthday, or if it's not something that's like really necessary, right? Like my son needed new shoes because they he grew out of them. Like I'll buy him new shoes. But if it's something like he wanted a new controller, I'm like, we have a controller. That's something you can save up your money for. And he decided, mean, he's gone back and forth between saving for these different things because he's had to realize like, oh, I don't really want that after all. 
because he has to practice that delayed gratification at the age of 11. And so it's really cool for them to see that and practice it. I do have one funny story before I wrap up though. So my youngest son is eight years old and about like a month ago we were talking about his savings goals. And he said, I want to save $1,000. Mom, I want you to make my savings goal say $1,000. So on his savings goal, you can name it like computer or video game or new bike. Like you get to choose the name of your savings goal. So he said, I want the name of my savings goal to be $1,000. I said, okay. So I put the name as $1,000 and I said, how much do you want that goal to be? And he said, $20. (laughs) I was like... Okay, so I set it at $20 and then he met it really quickly. He was like, I met my goal. It's $20. I met my $1,000 goal. I was like, we still have some work to do on this. Like there's still a, we have a learning curve we have to do, but it was cute. It was really cute. But it's really there. It's a wonderful way to, from, from an early age, work with children, helping them see intentionally, actually see buckets of their money and accounts. It's really great. So we started that maybe about two years ago with them. And they have an app on their iPad. And if they buy something, like my son bought something for the first time online with his little debit card. And so I taught him how to put the numbers in and what the expiration date was and what the security code was. He didn't know any of that. So it's a really great learning experience. So I highly recommend it. I know that Chase has a free kids account. So you definitely can look into some free things, but I personally love Greenlight. Today's episode of the Inspire Budget Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Money Made Easy. This book was written for anyone who wants to learn how to write a budget that fits their life, a write a budget that allows them to really live the life they love and not live in just this constant deprivation mode. Think of this book as a choose your own adventure type book. I'll walk you through all of your options when it comes to paying off debt, saving money, and writing a budget and then you can pick and choose what works best for you because I know that personal finance is just that. It's personal. What worked for me might not work for you and that's okay. So this book is all about finding what works for you. You can get it right now at Barnes and Noble or even Amazon or go to inspirebudget.com or you can grab your copy there. Now, I know you just heard a story about my son navigating the desire to buy different things, but I have another situation that has come up recently, and it's been a big conversation in our family. And so I just want to illustrate to you something else I'm doing with him to help him create that healthy relationship with money. And my husband's doing it too. So anytime I say I'm doing this, my husband's 100% on board as well. My oldest son right now, he wants this gaming computer. He has been almost like obsessing, it feels like. Maybe not obsessing, but he talks about it a lot. And he really wants a gaming computer. He's looking up computers all the time. He wants it in his room, which we're not allowing him to have a desktop or a computer in his room. And he's trying to really save his money. Well, first he wanted us to buy it for him. And we were like, no, we're not buying you a $2,000 gaming computer setup, but he is starting to save his money. And this past weekend, actually, I sat down with him, just me and him, 
and we broke down his goal into phases because he was becoming really frustrated. So I want to talk to you exactly about what we did. First, I want you to know what he wants. He wants this gaming setup. He wants a desk with a chair. He wants a gaming PC, which I'm not the person that knows anything about these. So right now he uses my husband's old laptop to play Minecraft on. And that's what he wants is like this system to play this fancy Minecraft on. And I actually had him sit down and I said, listen, you're not getting a $2,000 computer. We're not going to buy that for you. That's not what we do. I think that it's going to take you a long time to save up for this. So I had him start researching gaming computers under $500 and then under $800. I said, you need to go watch some video reviews. So he started reading articles and watching these video reviews so he could see some of his other options. And we talked about how he doesn't need that $2,000 computer right now. Maybe when he's older, when he's an adult, he can get that. So that's really the conversation, how I started handling it in a more healthy way instead of just saying, you don't need this $2,000 computer, which I was doing before. So that's what he wants. Right now, I've already talked about green light. He earns money every single week for doing chores. Sometimes he'll do extra work around the house that he asks for. So he will say, is there anything else I can help you with to earn a little bit of extra money? And he prefers to be paid in green light. He also had a birthday recently. And one thing that he asked was he got a lot of gift cards and he said, mom, can I give you these gift cards and trade them out for money that I can put in savings? And I said, absolutely. So he gave me all of his gift cards and I essentially traded them for cash. So the gift cards all became mine. So that's right now how he is earning money and saving his money. Then one thing that we did this past week was I said, listen, you're not able to do all of this at once. You're not able to save up for the monitor system you want and all of these things and the PC. Let's break this down into phases. And doing this was a complete game changer for him and for me dealing with him. So we decided to break down his savings goal into phases. Now, just a little tip, you can do this for yourself. You don't have to just do this for kids. So here are the phases. Phase one, I said, okay, let's look at how much money you have saved. Let's get you a monitor that you can essentially hook up to dad's old laptop. So that way you get the monitor. Now my husband is changing jobs. He's bringing home a desk that we used to have in our house and he took up to work. So he's going to be using that desk. My son this past weekend purchased a monitor. He purchased a keyboard and a mouse that he thought looked cool. And he purchased a computer chair essentially. And we're calling that phase one. Phase one gets him part of the way there. Now he can hook up the laptop to the monitor, have his desk in a central area in our house where I feel like I can check in on him and my husband can as well and he's not gonna be gaming all night. And we've completed phase one. Phase two is going to be actually saving up the $800 that he wants for this PC computer. Now that's a lot and I told him maybe phase two, we can look at pulling your money and Christmas money together to complete that. And I think that this has really helped him weigh different purchases that he's going to make. So for instance, when he was looking at this keyboard and mouse combo, I said, look, do you really want this 
$45 fancy keyboard mouse combo or would you rather maybe get this $30 one because then it gives you 15 more dollars to phase two. And that really was a great way for him to say like, okay, is it worth it? And he's able to weigh the cost of buying things now, other random things he wants like soccer balls and just other things that are something he wants that we're saying, look, we are, you already have a soccer ball. If you want this other soccer ball that comes out of your money, it allows him to weigh those pros and cons against what his next phase is. And it gives him something to work toward. And that's what I would say this is all about. When it comes to raising kids and teaching them about money, I think it's all about just giving them that opportunity, that opportunity to have that internal battle that we have as adults when it comes to saving versus spending. It gives them the opportunity to make mistakes at home when it comes to money. So that way we can talk through those mistakes. We can talk through those money choices that they made that they might regret and that's okay. So whenever our kids do make these choices that maybe we don't agree with with their money, like buying a $90 pair of jeans and then not having much money to go to the movies or hang out with friends or spending way too much money on what I think is just a regular computer. When they do that, And if they do stumble and fall along the way, we can respond to them with empathy. If we respond with empathy as they are learning in our house, then hopefully, right, this is me crossing my fingers, hopefully by the time they leave our house, they have this almost just this financial foundation of a healthy relationship with money. Does it mean they're never going to make any more mistakes? Absolutely not, right? Like (laughs) they're going to make money mistakes. But if I can get my kids out of the house and they understand that they're not supposed to be spending more than they have coming in, that credit card interest rates can be soul sucking and to avoid them and to pay off your credit cards in full each month and then to have the ability to weigh those purchases and spending money versus your goals. If I can have my kids leave my house with the foundations of that, then I would say that they're way better off than most people and and how I left my house whenever I was growing up. So I hope this helps if you have kids, if you have teenagers, even if you don't have teenagers, sometimes it's just for us, right? I hope that you took something away from this episode and if you enjoyed it it would mean the world to me if you would actually share it with a friend someone that you personally know that might have children or you just say hey I really like this podcast check it out I think you'll love it too that is the perfect way for me to honestly get more listeners and get this free content out to more people I would appreciate it so much Now, at the end of every solo episode, I like to answer a question that was sent in. This one comes from Jasmine, and she says, Allison, what's the best high-yield savings account? Now, here's the deal. There are a lot of high-yield savings accounts out there, and when you just Google it and see all of the options, it can be overwhelming. So overwhelming because there are so many options that we actually don't make a decision because that overwhelm can cause us to freeze, pause and just say, I'll deal with this later. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, with anything, 
with anything. I mean, you could be standing in the grocery aisle looking at peanut butter and all of it's so overwhelming that you're like, I'll just not make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches this week. Regardless, the same can be true when it comes to making choices like your high yield savings account. So here's what I want to tell you, Jasmine. Don't overthink it. Just pick one. The goal is to just take action. And what you want to look for is a high yield savings account that has no minimum balance and no monthly fees. That's it. No minimum balance, no monthly fees. The savings rates are going to fluctuate. They're not the set savings rates, these interest rates. It's not going to be the set amount. They will fluctuate. Look, you can go online and just say, what are the highest high yield savings account rates right now? Or top 10 high yield savings account. They'll tell you the rate. And I would just make sure before you sign up for something, no minimum balance and no monthly fees. I personally love Ally Bank. I use them. I think Varo is also really good because both of those have no minimum balance, no monthly fees. They're very user friendly. You can't go wrong with most high yield savings accounts as long as you look for those two things, no minimum balance, no monthly fees. Hope that helps. I hope you enjoyed today's episode all about how to help our kids develop healthy saving and spending habits. And heck, maybe you learned something here that will help you create healthier saving and spending habits for yourself as well. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you subscribe to it so you don't miss out on any future episodes that are coming. It's totally free to subscribe or follow. And I will see you next Thursday with a brand new episode. Bye. Bye.